Welcome to this week's message at Corner Bible Church. We're so glad that you could join us. If you'd like more information on our church, you could check us out at our website, cornerbiblechurch.com, or you can like or follow us on Facebook. Now here's this week's message. Thank you for listening. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 23. We'll start in verses 10 through 13, and then we'll pray and we'll jump right in. It says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let's pray. Father, we want to come to your word this morning. We just want to say thank you. Father, we are diving into a powerful, powerful truth this morning that you give us the ability to face today. Father, I just want to lift up every single person here this morning. I know for many of us, maybe life is rough right now. And Father, I'm asking you that through this word, through your word, that you encourage us. Lift us up. Remind us of your son. And point us back to you. I want to thank you for what you want to do this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So over the last couple months, as we've been walking through the book of Philippians together, we have talked about a lot of topics in our pursuit of joy. The overarching theme that we've been talking about together has been resting in God's definition of good, of rather than choosing to believe the lies of Satan in our lives, that the trials and situations that come into our lives are meant to destroy us, To believe the truth that every situation that comes into my life comes from a faithful God who is working even in the brokenness to make me more like him. And we can rest in that definition of good. We've talked about joy in the context of serving other people and living a life of servanthood rather than serving ourselves just like Jesus did. We've talked about joy in reconciling conflict with other people in our lives. We've talked about joy in the context of releasing the shackles of our past and running towards Christ as Jesus has set us free from our sin. We've talked about uh, joy in in the moments of anxiety and, and coming before God in prayer and saying, God, I don't have this. I need to give this over to you and finding joy there. See, what I was realizing this week as I was prepping this is I think joy is a topic that we could talk about forever. In fact, the more I studied uh, this book of Philippians, the more I've realized that we could take every single verse in this book and make a sermon out of it, and we'd be here longer than we were in Luke. So uh, you guys would fire me after that. So uh, we're not going to do that. But So on this run-through of Philippians, on this iteration of Philippians, and this study of joy, we have one last stop. And I think... This piece might be one of the hardest ones for us in our pursuit of joy. And that's contentment. 
finding joy in embracing our present circumstances in contentment. How many of you ever had those times in your lives where you, those seasons of life where you just like, I wish this was over. I wish this was just done right now, right? I think every single one of us have had those seasons in life where we're just like, Lord, when is this going to be over, right? Maybe it was a difficult season. Maybe you were walking through some health issues or maybe you were walking through, as Pastor Mike was talking through, a job search or maybe you were working through stuff with your kids or whatever the case may be and you were like, God, when is this season going to be over? I just need some stability, or maybe it wasn't a difficult season. Maybe it was just a boring season. How many of you have had those boring seasons before? We were like, I feel like my life's going nowhere right now. I'm like, where am I even going? We all have these seasons in our lives where we are waiting for things to be over. We get so fixated on what we wish our lives would look like that we forget to live in the moment that God has given us and experience the things that God has called us to do in the moment. See, I think there's a lot of times in our lives when we experience tension, we get so focused on what we wish things were different that we forget to live in the way that God has called us to. See, I think there's anything I've learned throughout our series in Philippians here is that God hasn't called you to only have joy tomorrow. God has called you into joy today. He calls you to walk in joy today. And I think if there was any person on this earth that could have had the temptation to, uh, to want to just think about tomorrow and get through and trudge through this current season of life they were in, it was Paul. It was Paul. I think every single message uh, during this series, we've talked about this. You may be sick of me saying it, but uh, Paul, during the time as he was writing this, he was in a Roman prison cell. He's in prison. He's writing this letter about joy while rats are probably nipping at his toes and he's shooing them away. But to make matters worse, he's not only in prison, but he is also waiting to hear back from the court if he's going to be killed for his faith or if he's not going to be killed for his faith. And spoiler alert, he gets killed for his faith. Most scholars think this is probably one of the last books that Paul actually wrote. This is a guy that's waiting... He's waiting to die. And what I love about Paul here, as he writes this letter of joy, as he writes this letter of of joy, he could have ended it any way he wanted to. He could have ended it any way. He could have talked about how bad the food was. He could have talked about how bad the Romans were. He could have talked about uh, how the, the Christians need to avenge him or whatever the case may be, but that's not what he does. That's not how he ends it. He ends his letter by talking about the joy of contentment in the moment. As you go through life's highs and as you go through life's lows in every single moment in between. So take a look down at your text with me again. We'll return to the text we started from at the beginning. It says this, I rejoice in the Lord greatly at length that you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. 
I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, he starts out this passage here talking to the church in Philippi and how they have been an encouragement to him during his time in prison, how they've been like a friend to him uh, as he's walked through this difficulty. Now, if you remember all the way back in chapter 2, we were introduced to a character by the name of Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus was a member of the church in Philippi. And when they heard that Paul was put in prison, they sent Epaphroditus to go and encourage him and brought a collection of money to support Paul while he was in prison. See, prisons worked a lot different back in that day. They they weren't funded by the state. You didn't get color TV or an education by the end of it. When you went to prison, other people had to support you. That's how you got fed. That's how you made sure you had a semi-decent life with other people had to support you. So Paul, when, when the Church of Philippi, when they heard Paul's in prison, they take a collection and they give money so Paul can be supported while he's going through this time of prison. So that's all that's happening. So Paul's thanking them for that. But then right after, he says something really interesting. He says something really odd. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am, to be content. Or in other words, we could, we could say here is thank you for sending that collection of money. Thank you for sending all that stuff. But if you wouldn't have sent it, I would have been totally fine. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds a tad ungrateful a little bit. Does that sound a little ungrateful to anybody? Maybe it's just me. All right, I think it's a little ungrateful at first. But Paul's actually unpacking something here that's actually really, really interesting. It has a ton of historical context to it. Any historical people? Any like, anybody like history in the room? Okay, a couple people. Okay, you're going to like the next like 30 seconds. So uh, the word content here, the word content has a ton of baggage attached to it that we in 21st century America just aren't going to understand just plain reading the text. See, the word content here, the way it's used, it's the only time in Scripture it's used this way. And the tents and all the stuff surrounding it, it's the only time in Scripture the word content is used like this. In fact, the definition of content here in the Greek is different from our version of content in America. When we think of content, we think of like a general feeling of happiness, I'm okay with my life, that kind of thing. But that's not what this word means. See, the word content here literally means sufficient for oneself, Possessing enough to not need aid. Self-sufficiency is what it is. That's what he's talking about. And what he's doing here is he's quoting something. See, the word content here was a Greek philosophy word popularized by a group of people called the Stoics. Anybody remember the Stoics from like 11th grade history? Anybody? A couple people? A couple people remember the Stoics, okay? They were like the rock stars of, of Greek. Now we're just nerds, us philosophers, right? We're just, we're just nerds. Right? They were the rock stars back then. They were like Jordan Peterson, all of that, right? They were really, really popular, really, really famous. And they, were, they talked a lot about contentment. Contentment. And their philosophy on contentment was really interesting. Here's like the Cliff Notes version of their philosophy on contentment. See, they believe that you could be content, self-sufficient, if you could detach yourself from other people emotionally so you couldn't be hurt by other people. 
They believed you could be content if you detached yourself from needing aid or needing help from other people and you could fully support yourself and you were the sole provider for yourself. So basically they were saying, if you detached yourself from your emotions, you detached yourself from your needs, you detached yourself from needing anything from anyone, you could be content. That's what they taught. So when Paul says here, and whatever situation I am in, I've learned to be content, and he says that word, that Greek buzzword right there, all of a sudden, all the people in Philippi, they have all these images of Paul pulling himself up by his own bootstraps and taking care of himself and him being emotionally distant from other people, and they're like, oh man, Paul's going to encourage us now to do the same thing. But that's not what he does. That's not what he does. He goes on to say right after this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So what Paul does here is he takes this definition of contentment, of self-sufficiency that the, everyone in, in the world, the Greek world at this point was believing, and he flips the entire definition on his head. And he says true contentment is found not in being self-sufficient. True contentment is being found completely and totally dependent on God for all of my needs. It's not self-sufficiency. It's dependency. So when he says here, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any in every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. He says, I know how to be uh, brought up. I know how to have a great life. And I know how, what to do when life isn't going so well. And we know from Scripture, Paul experienced both. He had horrible things happen. He was shipwrecked twice. In Scripture, we find out one time he's literally Jack and Rose style, hanging onto a board and floating out in the ocean for an entire night. He's whipped. He's tossed in prison more times than we go out to eat in any given week. He's stoned. He loses friends. People betray him. He's constantly on the defensive against false teaching. He goes through some hard stuff. But he also experienced good things. He got to see God work. He, he saw God provide for him time and time again. He, he, he planted churches, saw a very successful career as an apostle. He saw miracles. He conducted miracles. He had fantastic relationships with other people that through, uh, through the gospel. But if you look at this passage, if you look at what he says, the secret to being content with your present, with the stuff going on right now, it's not found. It's not found in being the sole provider for yourself. It's found in being utterly and totally dependent on Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I think a lot of times in our culture, when we, when we use this passage, I know I heard this a lot growing up, when we talk about the passage, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, we like to talk about it in the context of worldly success. Like when you hit that winning home run, you know, for the, on, the final baseball, on, the, on the final inning of the baseball game to tie things up, or, or maybe you land that business proposal really well, we quote that, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but that's not the context. 
See, this verse is actually saying about where we find strength, where we find joy in life's highs and lows and everything in between. See, what Paul is saying is he learned to keep his focus on Jesus and his relationship with him and not on the fluctuating circumstances of his life. See, his joy in the Lord was not heightened by his prosperity, neither was it diminished by his poverty. See, his contentment, his dependence on Christ for all things, this reality, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is the crux of the entire book of Philippians. And that all of our situations, all of our situations, Jesus is enough. When your life is going awesome, when you look at your life and you're like, man, things couldn't get any better right now. I'm on top of the world right now. Jesus is enough. When your life is falling apart all around you and you're like, God, how in the world could things get any worse right now? Jesus is enough. See, you are able to embrace today because Christ is taking care of tomorrow. See, Paul could embrace the day that God had given him, whether it was a great day or whether it was a bad day, because Christ was taking care of his tomorrow and providing for his needs in the moment. See, the hope of Jesus... The hope of Jesus is not that we just get to know we go to heaven when we die. Or you get to know that tomorrow is taken care of. But the hope of Jesus means you get to live today. You can face today. And not just trudge through it. Not just get through it and lay on your bed at night and be like, man, that was a rough one. But you can live powerfully. You can live with joy You can live in your calling, not your future calling, not tomorrow's calling, today's calling. Because he's providing the strength to face today. And he takes a second to talk about why. Take a look down at your text again. He says, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice, and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever. Amen. Again, he refers back to the people in Philippi here. This is a church that's been with him from the beginning. This is a church that's been providing for him and and sending uh, finances, sending prayer, sending support since way, way back. And he says, thank you for being faithful. And just as God has provided for my needs, I know God is providing for your needs. I want you to notice there in the text what he doesn't say. God does, he, Paul here doesn't say, God might, if you are really, really lucky, provide for your needs. It doesn't say that. The text doesn't say, oh, God will probably provide for your needs. The text says, God will provide for your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. 
See, Paul is telling them true contentment is resting in Christ's sufficiency to meet our daily needs. And I think a lot of times when we come to this text, I think the first thing we think about is finances. I think the first thing we think about is is, uh, money and all of those things. And I think part of this is talking about money. I know I've definitely seen God in my life uh, provide for me when I've really needed it. I know Mike's talked about that before. I know when I was growing up, my, my parents were missionaries, and we saw God come through time after time after time after time. But I think we do a disservice to this text if when we talk about needs here, we just talk about financial needs. I think there's something bigger here. See, Paul is saying, I have learned that in all of my circumstances, in all of my difficulties, Jesus is enough. When I feel alone, and it feels like everyone has rejected me, Jesus is enough. When I feel discouraged because life has not gone the way I thought it was going to go, Jesus is is enough. When I don't know what tomorrow holds and I have no idea what my future is going to look like right now, it doesn't look great at the moment. Jesus is enough. And my friends, the same is true for you. See, some of you in this room are probably going through some really tough circumstances. Going through some rough patches. It happens to all of us. And if that's true, I want to tell you something. And this is vital. Jesus is enough. If you're in Christ, Jesus is enough. When it feels like the world has rejected you, Christ hasn't. He cherishes you. He calls you his child. He's enough. In those moments when it feels like that sin issue comes up in your life and it feels like Satan comes up and he says, you are never breaking free. You're never getting rid of that addiction. You will always be a porn addict. You will always struggle with pride. You will always struggle with fill in the blank. Christ says, I've set you free. You're my child. I'm providing ways of escape in the midst of temptation. You can walk free. Jesus is enough. And in those moments when it feels like the storms of life in your life are overwhelming and drowning you, and it feels like the boat is turning over, he multiplies his peace. Christ is enough. In all the moments of all of our seasons, Jesus is enough. There's one last verse here that he closes on. He says this, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you all, and all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. See, the last thing that Paul mentions here is that when we are able to embrace the present and be content and realize that Jesus is enough in our lives, it starts to have a gospel ripple effect in those around us. See, I think this is a verse here that it'd be really, really easy to skip and just move on from, but I think this is actually probably one of my favorite verses in all of Philippians. In this verse here, he says, there's some people here that want to say hi. 
And the first people that he introduces to say hi are the believers that have been with uh, Paul the entire time, like Epaphroditus and Timothy and all those people the people in Philippi would have known. But there's a really interesting line here where he says, and all the people of Caesar's household say hi. When he says Caesar's household here, he means Romans. He means other prisoners, other prison guards, people that were walking by hearing Paul teach and pray and live his life as they walked by the windows. See, what he's saying here is even in the brokenness and roughness of Paul's horrific situation, God is making a garden. God's making beauty come out of it. People are coming to faith in the midst of Paul's brokenness and Paul's joy. You ever have those people in your life that you look at them and they're going through some hard stuff and you're like, I have no idea how they are holding it together. But they grow sweeter and brighter and you're like, they're just an awesome person to be around. That's what's happening with Paul. And they have to know where he has the hope. See, what Paul is saying at the very end of this letter, he's talked about joy a billion different times across Philippians, but what he's saying is all of this pain, all of this struggle, all of this difficulty is worth it because hope is coming out of it. See, because of his contentment, because of his ability to be able to embrace Christ's moments for him in the moment, he was able to see the needs of other people and be a help and an encouragement to them. i got one last story here I want to close on. So this week, on my Wednesday uh, coffee work day at a co- the coffee shop in Otsego and my prayer walk day, um, my schedule was kind of rough. So I got there a little bit early, and I was working until about 11 or so, and I'm like, man, my schedule's super compressed. I really got to get to the next thing during my day, so I'm probably going to skip my walk. You ever have those where your day just gets compressed, you got to cut something, right? And so I was having one of those days. And uh, I, I was walking out to my car, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to skip my walk, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go about my day. And I felt that little voice in the back of my head that I've learned to be the Holy Spirit say, no, you need to go on your walk today. I'm like, okay, I guess I will. Maybe I really need to pray about something. I feel fine right now. I, I'm, I'll go on my walk. So I take the car, I take it over to the park where I, where I, where I stop, and I start my walk, and I, I go on my walk, and I start praying and talking. And uh, I'm a creature of habit. Any creature of habits in the room? Like you just do the same thing the same way every day. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm like. So uh, there's an, a route I will always take in downtown Plainwall there. And, uh, but the bridge is out right now. So they force me to, like, the, the construction work, workers will literally not let me through. So I have to go around on a different side street. So I'm going around on this different side street, and I'm taking this new path. And as I'm walking, I come across this old house, and in front of the, it had like a port, uh, steps that go up to a porch, and on either side of the steps of this porch, there was two Japanese maple trees. Now, I absolutely love Japanese maple. I think they're my favorite tree of all time. They're absolutely stunning and gorgeous. And I noticed that the owner of the house, she was sitting out on her porch. And I said, wow, I absolutely love your Japanese maples. These are so cool. And uh, she came down, she thanked me, and we ended up talking about her garden for like 30 minutes. And we were talking, she had a bunch of other flowers and stuff going on too. So I had this great conversation with her. And she was talking about she was retiring that year, so she's going to have more time to be able to work on her garden and, and focus in on that. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. And, and then she said, I wasn't able to focus on it because I've had a lot of people in my life pass away recently. And then we went into this whole conversation about grief she was walking through. 
And all of a sudden, that little voice in the back of my head again says, this is why I told you to come on this walk. You're here for her. You're here for this. So we talked about that for a few minutes, and I asked if I could pray with her, and she said I could, and so we did. We prayed together, and uh, we encouraged her for a few minutes, and then I went on my way. And I realized something as I was walking away from that uh, circumstance that I almost missed. Because of my desire to look to the next thing and compress my schedule and all those kind of things, I almost missed the moment God had called me to that day. I almost missed the blessing of being able to be a blessing to somebody else. But how often do we do that? How often do we miss the opportunities that are right in front of us to encourage the people that God has lined up for us to encourage because we aren't content in Jesus in the moment that he gives us? And the reality of that story is the, the people that God has called you to encourage may not be a lady with Japanese maple trees in her front yard. It's probably your spouse. It's probably your children. The people on your sports teams or in your classrooms or your teachers or the a gas station attendant or your family member, whoever it might be. But are we looking for that? Are we content with Jesus in the moment? Are we embracing the moments that he gives us to be able to live them fully and experience the fruit and the calling of our days today, not just looking at our callings of tomorrow? See, friends, as we close out this series in Philippians, I hope you were encouraged. I hope you've been challenged. I know it's been really challenging for me. But I think the question I have for us as we close out here is that when it comes to our lives, when it comes to the ups and the downs and every single moment in between, are we going to be willing to lay things down, rest in God's definition of good, and experience joy? Let's pray. Thank you for joining us for this week's message here at Corner Bible Church. If you would like more audio resources, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Or you can go online and visit us on our webpage at cornerbiblechurch.com.